Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Everybody, this is BGN Radio, episode number 191. Who cares? With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of BloomingDonation.com. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. We're going to get into the strengths, but more so the weaknesses of each of the Eagles' three division rivals in the NFC East. Of course, we are referring to the Dallas Cowboys. We'll save them for last. The New York Giants will handle them first. And the Washington football team, which we'll get to in the middle segment. Brandon, what's going on, buddy? So this this is almost like an extension, Jimmy, of our last episode in some respects, where we looked at the reasons to be optimistic about this Eagle season. Now we have some more optimism here in the uh, <laughs> shot and fraud. How do you say? I don't, it? Shot, I don't know. I've whatever. never really known how to pronounce. I can, I can spell it, but I I mm-hmm. don't know really how to how to pronounce. Sh- I, I thought it was like Freud at the end. Probably, probably is. I probably said it wrong. But in any case, uh, the point is, you know, enjoying. Are reveling in the misery or the potential misery of the Eagles' rivals. So uh, don't say we never said anything nice or optimistic ever. Um, BGN Radio, obviously, is saying something nice by, by, bashing, <laughs> by bashing something yeah. else. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's <laughs> fine. Um, BGN Radio, as always, brought to you by Rachel Selling Craft Turkey and WildNaturePet.com. Use discount code BGN15 at both of those to get uh, 15% off either meat snacks for yourself or dog treats for your dog. And Jimmy, why don't we just get into it? Yeah, so uh, this is sort of an extension of the Dumpster Fire series, which I published a few weeks ago now. Um, we always start that series off with the Cowboys, but again, we'll start, we'll, we'll save them for the for the end. We'll start here with the New York Giants, who uh, their fans were... the angriest by far of the three teams fans actually cowboys fans really took theirs very well this year which was uh out of the ordinary washington fans always seem to be able to take it in stride i think they understand you know what how much of a um disgrace their franchise is so they kind of take that in stride but uh we'll start with the giants um first of all we'll just note some of their positives which of course in my opinion, is their skill position players with Saquon Barkley, and now they signed Kenny Galladay to a ridiculous contract. They already had uh, Darius Slayton. They have um, uh, uh, who am I missing? Here? Sterling, Sterling Shepard. Shepard. Uh, they signed John Ross to uh, to you know a flyer contract. They drafted um, uh, Darius Tony. Tony in the first round after they missed on uh, Devontae Smith. So they have good skill position players. Defense was better last year than it had been previously. I still think there's some holes there, which we'll get into. Uh, but as far as like when you're looking at the positives of this team, that would be it. Like just their, their skill position players. So let's just sort of go 
point by point, and we'll use sort of the dumpster, dumpster fire pieces as a template. And the first thing right off the bat was I pointed out that they are crybaby losers. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> we're referring, uh, the crybaby part, the crybaby part refers to, um, you know, them crying about the Eagles not helping them get into the playoffs last year. Uh, in a mean, in what was a meaningless week 17 game for the Eagles that they basically tanked, uh, allowing Washington to, to win the division and in turn only have the 19th overall pick. Heads <laughs> are getting stomped out in the uh, first round of the playoffs. But the, the bigger point that I made here was they have the worst record in the NFL since 2017 or tied for the worst record in the NFL with the Jets. So the two New Jersey mm. teams are both 18 and 46. Since 2017, that is a winning percentage of 281. Now, their point differential uh, over that span is minus 372, uh, which is the third worst. Only the Bengals at minus 400 and the Jets at minus 489 are worse. So congratulations uh, to the Giants for having a better point differential than those two teams. But, uh, I mean, we're, we're just looking at a franchise here that that likes to call themselves classy and they like to have this high opinion of themselves, but really they've been one of the worst teams in the NFL over the last four years. I mean, granted they have the two Super Bowls that are semi-recent, but uh, they, they have sort of turned into a franchise that is, you know, I think we just kind of expect to lose at this point. They're a dumpster fire to me, really as a franchise. They have been for a while now. I think one of the biggest things that I think about when it comes to the giants in the off season is how, I made those crying sounds earlier to me, and they're <laughs> obsessed with how things went in Week 17 last year. And, like, I mean, you've seen it from their promotion side in terms of, like, their Twitter yes. account and everything. Like, oh, we, we want the Eagles, like, more than anyone. Oh, you want and... the team on 4-11-1 as opposed to the right. two Super Bowl teams who are also on your schedule this year? Yeah, like, set the target higher, Giants. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, the, the just the obsession with it because it's not just, like, the tw- it's, it's it's been on multiple things. Like Xavier McKinney was talking about like the uh-huh. Eagles recently in that game. So like the players, Joe Judge obviously sure. came out with yeah. his whatever stupid stuff about it. Uh, the, so the organization, social media, like it's not just one little thing. Like it's multiple things, and it kind of reminds me of Matt Nagy and the Chicago Bears, where it felt like uh, after the yes. double doink, they made that entire off season about like <laughs> making kicker, kicks, yeah. like literally. <laughs> In training camp, Nagy was having like kickers line up exactly where they missed. Cody Parkey missed that field they goal. They brought in like seven like, or eight guys too, out. didn't they? Yeah, they, they had a bunch of kickers, and it's like they almost just like made the entire off season about mm-hmm. that. Like the classic like overcorrection. We need to fi- like that's what I feel like the Giants are almost doing with the Eagles here, and that gives me cause for concern for them. Oh yeah, it's a very weird thing to do. And like actually, it's funny because like one of the one of the like common responses that I got from, you know, Giants fans that weren't happy with uh, with that article is, oh, Philly's the little brother to New York. And, you know, like, and like a lot of like, we're living rent free in your head. Like, well, you're not really, because I mean, <laughs> first opposite. of all, I don't care. Like, like it doesn't, like, I don't really care like about, you know, I care more about like my own, like, uh, content and like the success that I have as, as opposed to the Eagles success. Like I just don't care as much about them as I do about myself. So like the, the idea that, um, that, uh, the giants are living rent free in my head is just absolutely ridiculous to me. And it's funny because the Eagles have absolutely owned the giants over the last, I mean, what, like 15 years now at this point, maybe not that long, but at least 10. I mean, I don't know what, I don't remember exactly what the records are at this point. Obviously they split last year. Giants outplayed them in both of those games, but the idea that the Giants are, and I'm putting up my air quotes, 
living rent free in my head. <laughs> it's like pure comedy in my opinion when I was reading those responses. So RJ Ochoa and I did a thing for the NFC mixtape, which you can listen to here on the Winning Nation podcast feed in the middle of the week. Um, about like the worst losses, like for the Eagles to every NFC rival, and then he did the Cowboys to every yeah, NFC okay. rival. And and picking the Giants game was like both not easy and also really easy because not easy in the sense that Jimmy in the past ten seasons. The Eagles are 15 and 5 against the Giants. So there's only five yeah. losses to pick from if you're talking about the worst oh, one. Oh, so they're picking and, their, their worst losses to each of the other three teams. Got yes, it. Which correct. one did you have for the Giants? I went, ended up going for the Eagles, like the Eagles' worst to the Giants. I went with 2011, where it was like week three. Because, like, oh, what, what other one are you going to pick? Victor Cruz against Namdi? Yeah, 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 Victor yeah, Cruz that was, that was and Namdi. And also, in, like, in hindsight, too, it looks even worse because, like, the Giants were like. Or the Eagles were, were one win away from making the playoffs right. still that year, miraculously. And the Giants won the Super Bowl that year with the, like the flukiest playoff, the Super Bowl run of all time. So that really hurt in hindsight. Um, but the point being there, like the Eagles have owned the Giants for a long time now. And even some of those like five losses, you have like Andy Reid's last game in there where the team was clearly just checked out. You have like a Matt Barkley, like Matt Barkley, Barkley played most of the like, as a rookie, mm-hmm. most like in one of those yeah. games in 2013. Like, so these weren't even like Carson Wentz's rookie season was in there, like where he threw tinnery assessments in like the first two drives, like just a really chance to win. Uh, like he, he threw a bad throw did, on yeah. a fade, a yeah. slot fade to Jordan Matthews. J-Man. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just the Eagles, like, there's no before this year really like and even maybe still this year Jimmy whenever we look at like the Eagles schedule and you see the Giants on the schedule it's like that's two wins or at least one like it's, it's probably two at least one like you're, there's no fear of the Giants so the rent free thing is really rich what do you think they do with the Giants this year by the way I think I, I'm gonna go with a split this year I think I had them splitting for as much as we make fun of the Giants, obviously the Eagles have <laughs> right. their issues as well. So the next two uh, points were very you know, obvious and easy. One is that Daniel Jones has not been good in his first two years. Excuse me, in the NFL. Um, leads the leads the NFL in turnovers with 39 hmm. of them. And, he's, and he missed six starts. So he's down, like he only he's only started 26 games um, out of 32. And he leads the NFL with 39 turnovers. So it's not great. And then, um, I mean... He had, a, he had a ton as a rookie, but last year I think he actually played worse uh, than he did in his rookie season because uh, he like the the you know his playmaking ability wasn't wasn't quite there, whereas he actually made a bunch of plays uh, as a rookie. So, uh, what are your thoughts on Daniel Jones going forward? I always say like I've seen some flashes with Daniel Jones, like like something is there. I can see mm-hmm. something there. I don't like feel great about it, but like. I want to contrast that with, I always say, like, Dwayne Haskins. Like, I've never seen anything that Dwayne Haskins do that makes me believe, oh, that guy, like, maybe there's something there. Like, I just, and same thing with Trubisky. Like, I just don't see it at all with this guy. Like, not even a little bit. With Daniel Jones, I can see, like, a little bit of him, uh, like, you know, making some big plays down the field. Again, I think I brought the stat to you before, Jimmy, around, like, the Kenny Galladay signing. Like, Daniel Jones had, like, like, the best... I forget. It was like the highest PFF grade or whatever, like on throws 20 yards down the field. Like he can kind of sling it. Um, now and he's, maybe that will manifest as we more saw against the, against the Eagles. And he, he can, can run. He, he is mobile. He is mobile. Um, which is like a big upgrade after you yes. know, having Eli back there for years. Like that's a nice, like dynamic they have through the offense now. But, but yeah, I mean, the turnover thing is just like not going away in my mind. Like we saw it with Carson Wentz. The fumbles are just, if you fumble at that high of a rate, I kind of just feel like that's who you are, and it's never going to get better. It's a weird thing because it is, in theory, predictable or not uh, uh, correctable. 
Like you just mm. pulled onto the ball with two it? hands. But for some reason, these guys that fumble, you're right. I mean, they, they just for whatever reason, they, they seem to continue to do so. Uh, all right. So the next obvious thing for me was that their offensive line is garbage. <laughs> it's just, mm. it has been for a long time and it is still just, but first of all, they, they got rid of their best uh, starting offensive lineman, Kevin Zeitler, who was their right guard. And uh, now they have a, a lineup that's going to look probably like this. And it's left guard, Andrew Thomas, left guard, excuse me, left tackle, Andrew Thomas, left guard, Shane Lemieux, who I think Giants fans, Giants reporters uh, all agree he was terrible last year. Center, Nick Gates, uh, right guard, Will Hernandez. He's moving over from left guard to right guard to take Zeitler's spot, it appears. And right tackle, Matt Parrott, I think it's how you pronounce it, out of UConn. So you look at Andrew Thomas, we'll start with him. Um, Giants had their pick of the litter of offensive tackles in uh, the 2020 draft. They had their choice between him, uh, Tristan Wirfs, uh, Mekhi Becton, who landed with the Jets, and, uh, oh, who am I missing? Jedrick oh, Jedrick Wills, Wills who uh, landed with the Browns. And by far, they took, like, I mean, those three guys look like they're Pro Bowl players already, uh, in, uh, just from their rookie seasons. And Andrew Thomas, not as much. So <laughs> they missed, like, they took the worst possible of those players and um, uh, he's going to be their starting left tackle more than likely. In and obviously, you know, it's only one season. He can wind up being a good player eventually. But it looks early on like they picked the wrong guy there. And then the other uh, the other spot that I'll mention is Parrot at uh, right tackle. I liked him as a prospect coming out, but he played almost like not at all. Uh, he played a little bit as a rookie, but uh, you know they're going with a lot of youth along their offensive line with Lemieux. Um, Hernandez has been sort of a, a disappointment in his first few years in the NFL. Like they drafted him, I think 35th overall It's definitely a, an early second round pick. And uh, he looked like he might be decent as a rookie, but he has not really improved. So they got a lot of, a lot of young guys and a lot of like, you know how we talk about ifs in terms of like the Eagles offensive line, but their ifs are more like if this guy can stay healthy and that guy can stay healthy. Their ifs are more like if this guy can suddenly become good after being <laughs> after not like really showing anything, then uh, then you know their offensive line might be okay. Pro Football Focus, by the way, ranked them as the worst uh, offensive line uh, heading into the 2021 season. And uh, wow. you know I have my disagreements with PFF on from time to time, but on that one, I do certainly agree that uh, that that it is it is not a very good unit. So you got that unit in front of. Uh, Daniel Jones, who turns the ball over a lot, not a good combination. It feels funny too because, like, this is the same problem the Giants had back in like, like let's say, 2016 or like 2017. Like these this run of Giants teams that had like Odell Beckham, <laughs> right, and right. like Sterling Shepard and some like decent weapons there, but just couldn't protect Eli. That was why we were never afraid of the Giants going into any season. It's like okay, sure they have some nice weapons and they'll probably you know burn the Eagles from time to time, but like. The Eagles are ultimately going to be able to beat them because they will beat them in the mm -hmm. trenches, and that's what they've been able to do in the past. Um, so definitely, kind of agree with that. By the way, you sorry to cut off, but you look at the strengths of like the uh, the Eagles and uh, Washington, for example. Like the Eagles, the, mm -hmm. the strength of the Eagles team is their defensive line, in my opinion. And then obviously, the strength of the entire division, like the best unit for like any team in the division, is probably Washington's defensive line. So like they're going to be tested against those two teams and then whoever Dallas you know we'll get to them in a minute but their defensive line's trash but 
you know, they're dealing with four games right off the bat in Philly and Washington where they're going to be overmatched uh, in the trenches on that side of the ball. And then whoever, I don't, off the top of my head, I don't know what their schedule looks like, but they're going to face other, you know, good pass rushing defenses for sure throughout the rest of the year. Kind of funny too, because the Giants actually beat Washington twice last mm-hmm. year, but um, you know, we'll see if they can do that again. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to say, Jimmy, and maybe you're going to get to this, but we're kind of wrapping up on the Giants anyway soon here. Um, Jason Garrett is still their offensive coordinator. <laughs> yes. like, I feel like it's easy to kind of forget. Like, And look, I think Jason Garrett kind of – like, I'm not going to stand for Jason Garrett here. I think he's a, maybe a little bit uh, – doesn't get as much credit as he deserves sometimes in the scope of like – you know, he did some positive things with Dallas. It wasn't like literally a dumpster fire year in and year out. Um, and they had some offensive success there. Now, obviously, he wasn't the play caller and everything. So – um, but I mean, just more recently, like what kind of level of inspiration is Jason Garrett really giving you? Like, could the Giants manage their way into a mediocre kind of offense this year? Sure. Like, that's what I'm saying when I'm kind of like saying, so I think Jason Garrett is capable of that. I think they can have an average offense, but I wouldn't say like, that's a, a guarantee. And I would say it has to be one of the least inspiring play callers in the NFL. Well, on that, on that, uh, on that note, like you look at just the Giants offensive ranks last year. Points per game, they're 31st. Yards per game, 31st. Yards per play, 29th. Red zone touchdown percentage, 31st. First downs per game, 31st. Third down percentage, 29th. Yards per pass attempt, 29th. (laughs) Turnovers are tied for 20th. So, I mean, they have, like we mentioned, they have some talent on offense, but for whatever reason, couldn't put it together. There's also some stat that I saw, which I don't, I didn't include in my dumpster fire thing because I didn't see it in time, but um, they, the percentage of plays where they had like guys going in motion, which has become such a huge trend in the NFL to sort of diagnose whether the, you know, the defense is in man zone or, or whatever gives the quarterback a good look at what, you know, the defense is trying to do to them. Um, the percentage of plays where like they had guys going, I don't know what it was off the top of my head, but it was among like the, the lowest in the NFL. I think it might've uh-huh. been the lowest in the NFL, but it was some really like low percentage. So he hasn't really adapted to the uh, growing successful trends in the NFL and seems to just keep doing what he's been doing for the last, you know, 15 years or whatever it's been. So I actually have a theory of the giants to me, and it has to do with Jason Garrett. And let me know if this sounds crazy. Maybe it doesn't. Um, I feel like, Kind of, and it, this is kind of the model for the, how the Giants have to be good this year. And maybe it won't work because their offensive line isn't good enough, but maybe they can actually run block. I feel like basically the plan might be to kind of like make Saquon Zeke and just give him like, like run the entire offense through him, limit the amount of times that Daniel Jones needs to throw. Like ideally, you know, have Daniel Jones be at the bottom of the league and like pass attempts per game. And uh, that's just kind of what I've been thinking with like Garrett there, you know, because he, he loved to use Zeke like that. And they would just, they would hide, and it worked for t- at times for the Cowboys. Like they would hide their defense because Zeke was getting the ball game long and they controlled the clock and they controlled the uh, the game flow. And they usually, you know, weren't playing from behind. So they were able to do this. Um, what do you think? Well, about I don't that? know if they can do that because, you know. Uh, so, well, I don't know if they can, but I think that's the goal is what I I'm mean, the, well, the, I mean, another point that I made in, in the Dumpster Fire piece was, will Saquon Barkley ever even be the same again coming off this? I yeah. mean, he tore up his knee. It wasn't just an ACL. It was an ACL, and I believe off the top of my head, it was a meniscus as well. So, I mean, it's not just, 
your run-of-the-mill ACL recovery. And everyone points to Adrian Peterson when he tore up his knee and he came back and he was awesome the next year. Well, that's like the anomaly of all anomalies. So, like, yeah. you know, I think anyone can count on that happening with, with Saquon Barkley. Um, and the idea that the Giants, or excuse me, the, the Cowboys took Ezekiel Elliott with the fourth overall pick was dumb. And then it was equally dumb when the Giants took Saquon Barkley with the second overall pick. And it's not because those players aren't, you know, aren't good and, you know, aren't, you know, immediately like one of the best at their position in the NFL. It's just the value of that position isn't worth it. And it's just crazy that, you know, they didn't identify that when, when it came time to, to make that pick. So uh, I guess the alternative would have been Sam Darnold. So that argument has maybe weakened a little bit over time because Darnold has also been, well, not also because Saquon's been good, but Darnold has, you know, was bad obviously with the Jets and is already on another team. But um, you know, the idea to trade it down. The, the idea, yeah, it's true. The idea that, um, you know, that, that Saquon, uh, that they can run their offense completely through Saquon is uh, risky at best because if he does go down, then what do you do? Any kind of closing things here on the Giants, Jimmy? Well, one thing to note, too, we didn't even get to the defense yet, but here's a list of the quarterbacks they beat last year. So <laughs> you said already they beat Washington twice last year. They beat Kyle Allen and Alex Smith. They, of course, beat the Eagles. They beat Carson Wentz, the worst starting quarterback in the NFL last year. They beat the Bengals, and this was post uh, Joe Burrow injury. So they beat Brandon Allen. They beat Russell Wilson, wow. which was, I think, their one really impressive win last year. And then in Seattle, in yeah, Seattle. Great win. and then they beat uh, Andy Dalton uh, with the Cowboys. So, uh, you know, five out of six of those losses or uh, of their wins last year were to quarterbacks that are going to be backups this year or out of the league or one that was traded because and and w- the team that traded him was willing to take on a $33 million <laughs> dead money cap hit. So uh, not great when you look at their prospects going forward if they don't get to face these low-level quarterbacks in 2021 like they did in 2020. All right, Jimmy. Well, we're going to transition now to the Washington football team. But before we do, let me tell you about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, Jimmy, not a dumpster fire. Far from it. The exact, literally the exact opposite of what, what is the exact opposite of a dumpster fire? Like what's, what's, what's the, I would say it's it like a, a bathtub full of soft serve vanilla and chocolate ice cream with rainbow sprinkles. Okay. Yeah. So righteous felon craft turkey isn't ice cream, <laughs> but it is the equivalent of whatever Jimmy just said <laughs> yeah. there. It is magical. It's great. You want some loyal listeners of BGN radio support the podcast by getting it all the time and they love it so why not add yourself to that mix by going to righteousselling.com using discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off your order and getting yourself some great snacks for the rest of the summer and also i mean you're, you're, you're out there it's summertime you're walking your dog and you want to give them some uh, snacks too especially because maybe i mean you're not walking them too much because it's really hot and they're just hanging out inside and, uh, you know, you want to spoil them a little bit. So as you should, as a dog owner, you should do that. Make your dog's life the best it can be by going to wildnaturepet.com using discount code BTN15 for 15% off and getting your dog, your best friend, man's best friend, some great dog treats. Jimmy. Back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. 
instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on BGN Radio episode 191, it doesn't matter, as we always say. Jimmy, it's time to talk about the Washington football team. Yeah, this was the hardest one for me to write, by the way, because it was hard coming up with 10 things to really uh, knock about this team because they have a good roster. It's just that, as always, wake me up when they get a quarterback (laughs) because Ryan Fitzpatrick, in my opinion, is just sort of the next in a long line of mediocre guys that have been sort of at the uh, at the helm for them. He's on his ninth team in the NFL, career winning percentage of 409. Um and you know they they, they here's here's a list of, I'm just going to run through this very quick list not quick list but list of quarterbacks that the that Washington has had since Dan Snyder bought the team in 1999. Ready? So we got Brad Johnson, Jeff George, Tony Banks, Shane Matthews, Patrick Ramsey, Danny Werfel, Tim Hasselbeck, Mark Brunel, Jason Campbell, Todd Collins, Donovan McNabb, Rex Grossman, John Beck, Robert Griffin the third. Colt McCoy, Kirk, quote-unquote Kurt Cousins, Alex Smith, Mark Sanchez, Josh Johnson, Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke, and coming soon, Fitzpatrick. So like he got sort of this mediocre quarterback always in place in Washington, and they're just not going anywhere until they find a a long-term solution at that spot. I agree with you in the long-term sense that – and we've talked about this kind of before about like how Washington arguably, you know, were, were big losers in the draft because they did not find a franchise quarterback. And like, that's kind of a yeah. problem. But I will say that I don't know if I want to say he's being underrated, but when uh, RJ and I did our most overrated players for each NFC okay. team in the, on the NFC mixtape, he picked Ryan Fitzpatrick as Washington's most overrated okay. player on offense. And I don't agree with that because I don't think anyone is rating Ryan Fitzpatrick as like some amazing quarterback i agree with that i think but i think he is kind of like so it's it's hard to say he's good because he's inconsistent but like he does have high highs and there are some metrics that point to him like kind of being a good player especially at the stage in his career which is you know kind of a weird arc but like he was sixth in epa per passing play last year jimmy and he was also six in QBR. Like there are some metrics out there. And then even, you know, like if you want to take different ones, like he wasn't like bad. I think people, that's what I'll, that's what I, I'll argue against for people who say like he's just straight up bad. He's not just bad. It's not, it's not that simple. He has bad games for sure. And there's going to be turnovers, but like I think putting him on this team 
is such a good fit because when he does have those kind of games where he's turned over the ball, it's not going to matter as much because the defense is going to be able to kind of bail him out from time to time. And when he does get on a roll, which we've seen him do, that's going to be dangerous. That's a dangerous combination because then let's say he's slinging it, he's building up a lead, and then that defense has a lead to play with, then that defense is going to be even better in my mind. So I think this pairing is not like making Washington a Super Bowl contender, but I think and I've said this before, like, I think they, to me, they're the NFC's favorites still. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. Like, so he is a high uh, variance quarterback, kind of in the same way that like Nick Foles was. So like yep. their best hope is that they get into the playoffs and they, he just happens to be on a, on a hot streak throughout the entirety of the playoffs and they win the Super Bowl. But uh, I think, you know, obviously that's super unrealistic. Um, I will say that he is. You know, I mean, he's better than anyone they had last year, of course. So he's, he's which is a, significant, yeah, right? He's, he's definitely an upgrade from from everything that they had. And you know, like on the one hand, he's mediocre, and the team will probably be mediocre as long until they find that long term solution. But on the other hand, mediocrity can win the division, as we saw last year, of course. So, um, you know, you look at just what, what this franchise is and what they've been over the last, you know, like twenty five years or whatever. And they've just been a disaster and maybe a few years of mediocrity and winning the division as a mediocre team is not bad for what they were and have been for, for so long. And you can maybe start building a culture that maybe expects to not be the doormat of the NFC. <laughs> so like mediocre isn't necessarily the worst thing for what this franchise has been. Like I think I'd be more harshly critical of the way that they haven't you know, gone out and found a quarterback if it were another franchise. But for them, I think maybe he kind of works in the short term. So I'm with you there. Like, I I think like it's not a, it's not a signing that I really killed when they made it. But at the same time, again, just wake me up until they find someone real. Yeah, it doesn't move the needle in the long term, which, again, I totally get. Um, I want to talk about because we didn't really get into their positives at the top. Like we said, we were mm, oh, but, yeah, um, right. Mm -hmm. unless we're saying Fitzpatrick is, you know, like I mean, the positive is again he's a bit huge. Like I, I don't think that can be like, un like, like emphasized enough. Like they are playing Dwayne Haskins, who freaking sucks out there. He was a starter last year. Like that's Alex a Smith joke. was he, a great story, also terrible last year. He was done though, yeah. and, and he retired now. Like he clearly like, he not playing anymore. Uh, Henneke, you know, had that little run, but like, come on, he was an XFL backup. <laughs> right. And then Kyle Allen, you know, not viable. Like, like they were that they won seven games is like really impressive to me. And that kind of parlays into my next point. Ron Rivera. I think he's the best head coach in the division. I, I don't agree. think Ravon yeah. Ron Rivera is an elite head coach, but I think he's a good head coach mm -hmm. and a respectable head coach. And I don't really know if I can tell you if any other coach in the NFC East right now, like I, I, I wouldn't say any other coach is a good coach. I, Cause I, I can't tell you anything about Nick Sirianni. We just don't know. Yeah. Joe Judge, I think might, be able to be a good coach. I don't know. I think Jerry's obviously out on him. And then uh, Mike McCarthy, I don't believe is a good head coach. Right. I believe Ron Rivera is a good head coach and he's the best in the division. And I think last year showed that because I think one of the biggest hallmarks of a good coach, as we saw with Doug Peterson, is how teams respond to adversity. My good enemy, RJ, likes to talk about how Ron Rivera has been like the, the, the guy to win uh, the division with a losing record like more than once. Like he did it with the Panthers. He oh, did I didn't realize that. Last That's year. funny though. He, he tries to hold that against him. But to me, that kind of <laughs> like, and I get that, but that kind of signals to me too. There's like a response. Like he 
has managed his way through adversity throughout all of that. Like he, in a, in a year where everyone is bad in the vision, he has managed to be not the worst. Like he has been able to hold the team together and prevent them from being a total joke. So uh, I think that's a big factor they have working in their favor. Yeah. And um, uh, like the, uh, when we get, when we talk about the actual positives of the roster too, like the defensive line as we already, we already mentioned is it's awesome. And then, you know, like their secondary is is pretty underrated. It's it, good too. Like, um, like their safeties, for example. Like Land- Landon Collins is coming back. Like, I don't think he should even start. Really, mm-hmm. like they have a guy named Cameron Curl who had a really good He's rookie good. season last year. Uh, who's their other safety? His, his name is escaping me right now. Uh, You're not talking about Jeremy Reeves, former nah, Eagles player. Nah, 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 He's nah. in there though. He's in the. He's like. He's in there. Their, he got uh, some playing chart. time last year. Yeah. Who am I missing? But they have. Um, uh, sorry, I'm just looking at up here. I'm cheating. Oh, it's Troy App. Nah, Troy Apke. That's not who I could have been thinking. Oh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, but their their cornerbacks are good. They, they signed William Jackson in free agency. I thought that was a good signing. They have Kendall yep. Fuller, who I think is a really good cornerback as it is. Um, they they of course drafted Jamin Davis uh, as a linebacker in the first round. So I think he's an upgrade over what they had there. And then you know offensively, their skill position players are really good. Terry McLaurin is a legit number one receiver in the NFL. They signed Curtis Samuel. Whatever. Um, mm. They they drafted Deami Brown. In the third round, I liked him as a prospect coming out, so we'll see. The the, the next day, oh, and uh, sorry, running back too. Like I like Antonio Gibson as sort of a guy who yeah. can do a lot of like those Memphis backs. They're you know they're good pass catchers like Tony Pollard, uh, Antonio Gibson, and of course the Eagles just drafted uh, Kenneth Gainwell. We'll see what he'll be in twenty twenty one. But Gibson uh, had a really good rookie season, so uh, they have talent on both sides of the ball. It's just a matter of can Ryan Fitzpatrick. Get you know, take them to the next level, and also their their tackles are the mm. next big concern for me. So they had Trent Williams obviously for a long time at left tackle. They played with him, played without him last year. Of course, he went to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, but now they signed Charles Lino Jr. to play left tackle, and they also uh, got rid of right tackle Morgan Moses. And it appears that their second round pick uh, Sam Cosme out of Texas will be their starting right tackle. So huge question marks on the edges for me um, in that offense behind, again, a quarterback that, uh, you know, over the over his career has turned the ball over quite a bit. I think Leno has been solid. I think that he kind of isn't going to be amazing, but I think he's, like, respectable. Um, we'll see about Cosme. Uh, Sadiq Charles, also in the mix here, right, or in theory should be. Yeah, he was, a, he was a, he's a weird – so he, he had some character concern concerns coming out of college, um, LSU, I believe. Yep. And he went third round, I think. Uh, he went a little earlier than some people were expecting because of those character concerns. But on talent alone, like he was, mm-hmm. he was probably going to be like a like an earlier day two pick or even like a late one, possibly uh, if he didn't have those concerns. So I don't know what's going on with him, but uh, my understanding is he didn't play much as a rookie. So, uh, but yeah, it, it's looking like uh, Leno and Leno or Leno, or however you say it, Jay and, Leno's son and Cosme are probably going to be the starters there. So. Um, it's just uh, it's just not an ideal tackle pairing, and it's weird that they let Moses go. They must know something that yeah. everyone else doesn't, because uh, he signed pretty quickly with not quickly, but I did he already sign with the Jets? Yep. Is that done? Yep. Okay, so uh, he landed with the Jets. But uh, when you have like a team that you think is going to contend, and you let your starting right tackle go, is it's definitely like a like a thinking emoji kind of move. Raises some eyebrows. That's right. Um, what else do you look at here? 
at their roster or coaching staff or what as a weakness? Well, those are the two main ones in terms of like their uh, like the obvious things to point out. But another thing that like would be concerning for me is that uh, their offensive coordinator just not a lot there. Like we talked we talk about Jason Garrett um, in the in the first segment with the Giants, but Scott Turner uh, was their offensive coordinator last year, and we know their quarterbacks weren't good. And but they did have like a number of things to work with offensively, like McLaren and Gibson and uh, Logan Thomas was like a really good emerging tight end uh, for them last year. Offensive line was decent enough. They were last in the league offensively DVOA. Mm. So you know you look at like some of the other teams around the league with just horrible offensive personnel. You start with the Eagles, and then you look at like the Jets, you know the Bengals after Burrow was gone, etc. Like there are a lot of bad offenses out there, and Washington finished 32nd in DVOA. So, you know, I think a lot of that has to sort of fall on, on Turner and, um, and, you know, just the lack of creativity in, in, you know, getting more out of the offense. Sure. Um, uh, I think the, uh, what's his name? Totally just blanked on it. The, uh, the receiver they signed this year, uh, the Curtis, Curtis Samuel. Uh, Curtis Samuel. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was kind of an overrated addition. Yes. I picked him as my most overrated player. Like, it's funny, like, oh, he's reunited with Ron Rivera. Well, he, he didn't. <laughs> he was better without him. <laughs> yeah, he's better without him. And, like, also you look at, like, his averages, I forget, in rushing and receiving. And, like, they gave this guy this money. It's, like, it's, they're very low numbers if you look at his receiving yards per game and his rushing yards per game over his career. So I thought that was kind of overrated. But, obviously, McLaurin is a really, I think, underrated. Again, I'm, I'm really, my brain is really in over underrated, overrated, underrated, because I've written about that in podcasts about yeah. that recently. And it's the offseason. What else are we going to talk about? But, um, but yeah, I think McLaurin is actually underrated. I think he's really good. I agree. Um, he, like, huge weapon. Um. And pretty much at every level too. Like he can be deep down the field. I think he can get. Obviously, we've seen him catch balls short on the Eagles and take it to the house. Like he's just a really legitimate weapon. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think with Fitzpatrick, it's going to be. It's not obviously. It's not going to be as bad as it was last year. It can't be. And then even even like how much better? Because that's that's always the question, right? That's I I always try to pose that. Just even to kind of compare it to with the Eagles and put an Eagles lens on it with Jalen Hurts, like. No one is saying Jalen Hurts can't get better. But the question is, how much can he realistically get better? Like, is it realistic to say he's going to go from being kind of where he was last year to suddenly a top 10 starter? That's like a big bridge to gap there. Um, with Washington, I think they can at least improve to a mediocre offense. I think they have enough pieces for that with everything there. And that could be a big deal because their offense isn't going to have to carry them. Probably, you know, like pairing a mediocre-ish offense with a really, really potentially elite, potentially best in the NFL, like that's the ceiling for their defense. Like that's a good formula for them. Now, I feel like we're doing a bad job here because we're not really like, crapping on Washington <laughs> as much I've, as we should I have be. Two, but, I, have uh, two, I have two more good ones, I think. Okay, let's hear it. All right. So, well, I, point number one is sort of an A and B. Uh, so point one A is that they'll have a first place schedule for the first time in a while. So yes. they got to fix They're only favored in three games this year. Is that right? Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every team in the NFC East has essentially the same schedule uh, with the exception of three games. So the three floating games, Washington will play the Packers, Seahawks, and Bills. So, you know, those are three. I mean, Packers are obviously, you know, not the elite team that they'll, you know, they would be if Aaron Rodgers were definitely playing there. So we'll see how that plays out. But there's a lot of 
I, 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 I think he is anyway. too. I think he is too. But uh, you compare that to the Giants. Giants have Bears, Rams, and Dolphins. It's obviously a lot easier. The Cowboys will have the Vikings, Cardinals, and uh, Patriots. That's obviously easier. And then the Eagles have the Lions, 49ers, and Jets. So, I mean, that's a, that's a decent enough deal. And then, and then uh, point 1B, and this is more like trivia than anything else, or maybe it isn't. <laughs> But there hasn't been a repeat NFC East champion mm. since 2004. Um, and maybe there's a reason for that. Like, maybe it's just because none of these teams have been, like, dominant over that span. <laughs> like, it's not just – I don't think it's I don't think it's just trivia. I think it's just the teams in this division haven't sustained success because they haven't been competent enough to do so. So they have to prove that they can do that. I totally think that's not just trivia. I mean, some of that, you know, there could be some luck or bad luck, whatever, in there. But I think, as a whole, that speaks to these front offices not really being, like, that great in terms of clearly year-to-year <laughs> right. success. Like, no one is building a dynasty or, or or really, like, knows what they're doing so much more than the other teams in the NFC. So, like, wouldn't you say that's fair to say? There isn't, there isn't a front office in this division that is, like, doing laps around other teams. For sure. Yeah, yeah. it looked like the Eagles were that team for a little bit, and then they quickly were not. Nope. So, um the last point that I'll make here on on sort of that point is Dan Snyder's still the owner. <laughs> like as long as he still owns the team, it's gonna sort be a, of. it's gonna be a pro- it's gonna be a problem. I mean, like, well, his family now owns a hundred percent of the team, so there was uh-huh. a thought that maybe like he could be ousted. Like that's what certainly the fan of the the hope of their fan base was, and it didn't happen. So he still remains the owner of that team, and as long as he's there, I mean, they just had this gigantic scandal that really should have been. Uh, probably you know a little more heavily covered than than it was like, and you know essentially they just got a slap on the wrist with a ten million was it ten million I think it was just a ten million dollar fine for Snyder mm-hmm. which is nothing so drop in the bucket pretty much so um you know they got off pretty easy on that and uh but I mean the fact remains not fact but like I mean it re- the the point remains that. I mean, this this franchise is going to be severely hindered as long as that family is is in control, and it appears they will be for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So, what happened with Dan Snyder too? For those who don't know, was basically like so he bought out the team, like 100 percent, what ownership, whatever. But then recently, he gave co ownership to his wife Tanya Snyder, who is like again like a co owner with him now, and basically seems to be in charge of the team fully right now herself because Dan Snyder. And not so many, and not so explicitly, was basically suspended. Basically, is what it's like. At least the reading of that punishment, like, kind of, it was like he's going to be away from the team. Basically, like he's not going to be, you know, in charge for an undetermined amount of time. So that's kind of weird. I don't know fully what to make of that. Like, I think Washington fans would hope that Tanya Snyder kind of like doesn't run the team like him fully, and like maybe she's actually like smart and good. But I don't really know how realistic that is. And obviously, I mean, he's married to her, so like. It seems like they're still probably going to be talking and there's going to be influence here. So I don't know really what to make of that. I mean, I agree to your point that like Dan Snyder, like you're never really going to be scared of Washington building some contender. Yeah. Uh, like that last, you know, like a dynasty or anything as long as he's there. But I mean, the thing that my thing on that though, too, is that like, I think he's actually trusted Ron Rivera though. Like to this point, like I haven't seen signs of him like, you know, meddling in there. And if he kind of steps back and he does legitimately trust Ron Rivera, which is a big if, but if he does, then that kind of mitigates the Dan Snyder factor. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So that's everything on Washington. Unless you had any, any, any last things. on Washington. No, that's about it. Okay. 
they still need to figure out a team name, I guess, or or we'll see. <laughs> um, Jimmy, before we get into our favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys, at the very end, we have to hear about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. <laughs> Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, she's the greatest, 856-906-9295, 856-906-9295, 9295. Back here on BGN Radio 191, which I don't know why I say the number because it doesn't mean anything, but now you know for the third time or fourth time. Jimmy, we can't delay any further. We have to get to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I'm going to start off uh, in sort of the same way I did with the Giants. Giants are the worst team in the NFL, as we mentioned, over the last uh, four years since 2017. The Cowboys haven't been back to the Super Bowl in the last – we've now passed the, the quarter century mark of the last time we are now over 25 years uh, since they've been in the Super Bowl. And it's actually been 25 years since they've even appeared in the NFC championship game. So like every other team in the NFC in the NFC has appeared in the NFC championship game, except for two other teams. Can you name them? Uh, NFC championship game lions and That's uh, 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 I don't know. Uh, Vikings? I don't know. They're in the... No, the Eagles played the Vikings in the NFC Championship game. Duh. What am I thinking of? <laughs> I don't know. I totally just panicked. That was a terrible pick. They're also in the NFC East. Uh, Washington. Yes, yes. Washington, Dallas, and the Detroit Lions have not appeared in the NFC Championship game in the last 25 years. So, um, Cowboys, year after year after year, always hyped as some kind of Super Bowl contender, mm. and they always fall short, not even short, just well short of expectations. In fact, like I think like the last time they were even close to getting to the NFC Championship game was the Dez dropped it game. And as you yeah. and I like to point out repeatedly, like they shouldn't have even been in that position to to be that close because they I mean the Lions got robbed in the oh, in yeah. the prior round when it's terrible. Hit the Dallas player who commit who committed like clear Pass interference. It was a that, linebacker. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Um, it was clear. And they called it. Like, they threw a flag on it. And somehow, yeah. another reference. And he goes, no, 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 no. That wasn't pass interference. And they, they picked up the flag. It was crazy. Well, didn't they pick- didn't Des, wasn't that when Des Bryant ran out onto the field without his helmet <laughs> yes. on? And like, which which also should have been a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> screaming. Uh, offensive player. While the Cowboys are on defense, offensive player runs yeah. out on the field. No helmet. He's screaming at the officials. Like, clear... <laughs> clear like you know 15 yard penalty they didn't call that either but uh, uh they, they shouldn't have even been in the position to to be in that game and by the way des did drop that pass like by the way yeah. that that call was written and called like it's it's a catch now but it wasn't then uh well go ahead my thing on that too always is like there was still time in the game there's still like over right, two minutes in right. that game or so and it's aaron Rodgers, and he was shredding their defense like he was <laughs> right. and it's aaron Rodgers. like we've seen him come back against the cowboys before late yes. in the game. like like there's no chance that like aaron Rodgers would have came back and led the packers to victory even if that was called correctly like, correct that wasn't like the end of the game that wasn't like you know the final play 
That, that's like yeah, that's like that. the uh, the Eagles beat the Saints if Alshon Jeffrey doesn't <laughs> doesn't drop that pass. It's the same thing. Or like yeah, the, the, you know. the Sixers win the championship if the Kawhi Leonard uh, shot doesn't doesn't right. quadruple doink in. So yeah. so yeah, we're on the same page there. But anyway, uh, the point the point the overall point being here is like. There's they're called Super Bowl contenders every year. It's actually been a little slower this year than uh, than in the past, but um, they are getting their share of hype as they always do, and they always fall short. The other big thing is um, uh, Des Pre- Dak Prescott obviously is returning, but the Cowboys weren't good last year, even when he was like they Thank were one you. they were one yes. and three before yep. he went before he went down, and not because of him. Like he was very like he was like on a sort of historic pace with his stats, uh, and you know a lot of that was because they're you know, behind in games and they were playing catch up, but there were one and three in the games that he started and finished. And, um, I mean, now he's making so much money that like they had, uh, they squandered four years of him being like, he was, he was the NFL rookie of the year, his rookie year. So like they squandered four years of having him on their payroll at nothing. They could have built their roster around him like so much easier than they did. And uh, now that that time's over, like he's making uh, just a, an absolute boatload of money. And by the way, they're going to be back in the negotiation table in three years. So he's going to keep himself sort of at the top of the uh, quarterback list from here on out, as you know, assuming he continues to play well enough. But uh, yeah, so the, they don't have the advantage of being, being able to to build a team around a quarterback that's making like one or two million a year. So I've talked about Dak's early season stretch last year and. RJ has even agreed with me on this. RJ, Cowboys fan, mm-hmm. if you don't know, he has said like Dak wasn't like he wasn't going to be able to keep up his pace early in the year. Like right. that was not like what was going to happen all season long. He has admitted that. Now he likes Dak Prescott obviously a lot more than I do. Shocker, but I think like people are romanticizing what Dak did early in the year last year. Like you said, again, the team was one and three. Now, yeah, the defense was terrible. And that played a big part in it. But like all the offensive production too was coming like. Like later's in the games, like there was some garbage time element there. Like it wasn't like the most meaningful. And also part of like that production in my mind was kind of like I I don't think people were counting for like pace. Like in basketball, let's say, like when there's a high scoring game, like a lot of players are gonna score a lot because like you're you're constantly turning the ball over but like you're scoring as a team that's right. scoring, like then you're giving the ball like so the defense, the Cowboys defense. We had to, look, sorry to interrupt. Some, we had to look like the Chip Kelly era the same way, where yes. they ran the the hurry up offense and the, yeah, and like so like they they got more possessions in every game, and they the other team also had more possessions every game. Yes. So you had to look at them like on a per drive basis yes. as opposed to a per game basis. Exactly. Thank you for saying that better than I could have. Yeah, you had to look <laughs> at efficiency and not just uh, volume. Yes. So, uh, so I think there's some of that to it. Like, look. Uh, I, the Cowboys offense is going to be good. Like no one is going to say otherwise. No one could really say otherwise, unless one of my biggest concerns with the Cowboys, Jimmy, and it's something I talked about why I think their draft was a failure is that they didn't need to go all in and overcorrect and think fixing the defense is the way we get back to being the best version of ourselves. The Cowboys are the best version of themselves when their offensive line is right, and it could potentially be that way this year. Like ty- maybe Tyron Smith stays healthy, mm-hmm. although. I think, again, like he hasn't played all 16 games since 2015 or so. It's been a while, and he's dealt with multiple injuries. Uh, Leo Collins obviously coming off an injury there. Um, Zach Martin coming off of some injury issues last year. Like, There's a lot of question marks on that offensive line injury-wise. Um, and to me, they should have taken an offensive lineman to have as like either 
will have to have both as depth now if someone does get hurt and also a long-term starter. Uh, you know, if those guys kind of age quicker and, and decline quicker than they expect. I think if anything can unseat this entire Cowboys season, it would be their offensive line falling apart. Yeah, I mean, that's what killed their season last year. Like uh, Smith missed uh, 12 games, I think. I know he missed at least the final 12 games. Uh, Lyle Collins missed the entire season. Zach Martin missed six games, I think it was. But the way I look at Tyron Smith now is like he's he's only 30, but he entered the league so young. Like he entered the league when he was 20 years old. So he, like he's now going to be in his 11th season and he's got like 140-ish uh, career start somewhere around there. So the injury count like over the last five years is one thing, but it's the it's the injury, the, the specific injuries that he has had, which is particularly concerning because it's been his neck and his back mm. and that's not yeah. good. So I look at him now the same way that, you know, we kind of looked at like Jason Peters back, yeah. you know, n- not more recently, but like. 2016 2017 version of Jason Peters where he's going to be good when he plays but you can pretty much count on him missing some time yeah. at least uh during the season so the Cowboys have to hope that 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 you know when he's out it's just not at the worst time possible uh Lyle Collins is kind of a weird thing cuz uh yeah. his agent put out a tweet that said I'll read it here I have it pulled up to address the rumors no, my client Lyle Collins is not retiring. <laughs> he loves football and the Dallas Cowboys and is working for a Super Bowl ring. Have a blessed weekend, everyone. And like when that came out, like Cowboys fans are like, what? <laughs> what? what rumor is this that you're talking about? Like yeah. they didn't even know what he was talking about. So I think that's yeah. like there's something too. Like that's interesting that like the his agent felt the the need to to put that out there when nobody was even like thinking that there was any issue with Lyle Collins. So that's another thing. And then, you know, you look at Zach Martin, who's arguably the best right guard in the NFL. I think, uh, you know, some people would argue Brandon Brooks, but whatever, who cares? Like he's been an elite player for a long time, but he's getting up there in age. Uh, you know, he's, he's had some injury issues of his own. Um, so with him, like the decline is going to happen at some point. It's just a matter of, does that happen does that begin to happen in 2021 or is it a little further away? And then Zeke, if we're talking about the oh, Cowboys yeah, yeah, offense yeah, yeah. and decline. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I would this... have him a little higher on my list, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, go ahead. But keep going. I mean, Let you, it rip. you brought it up before. What is the stat? Like how many carries does he have compared to everyone else? Yeah. So, uh, he has more career touches. No, I'm sorry. There's only one running back currently on a, an NFL roster with more career touches than him. Which is insane. Do you know who that is, by the way? Uh, is it Gurley? It's or... not. Oh, did Gurley sign somewhere? Uh, I think he did. Or actually, no, maybe not. I think he was. He's going to. Uh, no, I don't think he has. Because you're right. Gurley does have more career touches, but uh, okay. it's uh, he's not Mark, signed right it's, now. It's Mark Ingram. Oh, okay. Who is True. who is Forgot who is basically? See, I mean, he's old, but he stayed in the league for yeah. such a long time because his touches were limited every year. Like he. Rarely ever had like more than 200 touches in, in a season, but Zeke has had a crazy number of touches, and he's clearly in decline. <laughs> like, like your yeah. career lows. I'm just going to read off the, the statistical categories where he had career lows last year. So, rushing yards per game, yards per carry, yards per reception, yards per target, rushing touchdowns, total touchdowns, rushing first downs per game, rushes of 20 plus yards, and rushes of 40 plus yards. All career lows. He had a career high in one category, though, and that was fumbles with six yeah. of them. So, like, you just look at their games last year. 
and I think you and I would both agree. I think we both said this maybe like Tony Pollard looked like a better running back than him last year. Yep. Their backup. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if, you know, he was or not or whatever, like, cause I didn't see all of their games, but, um, you know, certainly Zeke is not the player that he was, you know, his first, you know, couple of years in the NFL. Yeah, I think the Cowboys are probably going to waste touches on Zeke when they probably should either be throwing the ball or giving the ball to Tony Pollard. Like, I think they're, that's absolutely going to, like, hinder their offense to some extent. Not to the extent it's going to be a bad offense, but, like, they're not going to maximize, I feel like, the potential of their offense whenever they're, like, really making Zeke into a workhorse. Um, I wanted to touch on the fumble thing real quick. Zeke, so I looked at fumble rates recently. Because obviously, you know, you can look at the volume numbers. Zeke had the mm-hmm. most in the NFL, but I wanted to see, like, you know, how much compared to his touches. He had one fumble for every 49 touches. That was Eesh. worst among the NFL the top running backs that I saw, except for Miles Sanders, who had one every 48 touches. <laughs> Is that so, right? That's funny. Not very good, Mr. Miles Sanders. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, we never got to the uh, we never got to the positive aspects of, of this team, by the way, yeah. which, you know, in theory... Yeah, the, dude, they're going to have a good offense. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, the offensive line, in theory, could be, you know... I mean, they're, they're going to be better because they're going to get all these guys back. But uh, obviously, offensively, those receivers are awesome. Like Amari Cooper, yeah. the trio of Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup, is, they're just really good. Blake Jarwin, by the way, I kind of like as a tight end. He missed almost mm-hmm. the entire – I think the actually he did miss the entire season last year, so he'll be back right. as well. Um, I mean, they're just they're just a powerhouse in terms of their, their skill players. Um, the, the biggest deficiency on this team, obviously, is their, is their defense. And mm-hmm. particularly, their run defense was horrible last year. Uh, I, like I went through the, the Giants offensive ranks. Um, I'm just going to go through some very quickly, some Cowboys run defense ranks. So total rushing yards allowed last year, 31st rushing yards per carry 30th rushing TDs allowed 25th rushes of 20 plus yards, 30th rushing first downs allowed 31st. And then percentage of rushes resulting in a first down 25th. So like they just couldn't stop like the base expectation of a defense which is you know stopping the run and you can't stop the run it opens up everything else offensively so uh they got to get that fixed and i don't think they did so they drafted like a ton like their first how many picks six i think i think their first six picks in the 2021 nfl draft were all defensive players but you look at like their starting rotation on defense and it is garbage like demarcus Mm -hmm. lawrence is a good player and that's that's like that's it like that's all, that's all they have on their defensive line like Randy Gregory might you know it might contribute like might like actually be on the team for the entirety of the season for the first time ever like Matt gets suspended maybe. so maybe we'll see how that goes but you know for for me he's probably just more of like a, a pass rush specialist anyway so you know you have you have Lawrence and then beyond him uh, like their starting defensive tackles are like. Tristan Hill and uh, the other, oh, Neville Gallimore, uh, who they drafted, in, you know, in the third round a year ago. So, like, it's not a very compelling group on that defensive line. And then you look at their linebackers, like, they're loaded up with a lot of names, but to be determined if they can kind of ever be back to where they were the one year that they were really good with Vander Esch and Jalen Smith sort of playing at their highest levels as, as pros. And then in the secondary, like, they're kind of in a similar spot. As the Eagles at that, you know, at that CB2 spot, 
because they have uh, Trayvon Diggs at at their you know at, as their top corner, and I think he's going to be in the NFL for a long time and be a good player. But beyond him, like it's either their second round pick, Calvin Joseph, who basically just asked his coach, like, "Can I just take a week off like, during the season last year?" That's a whole like thing that we can get into, but maybe probably it'll take too long. And then beyond him, it's like Anthony Brown, CJ Goodwin, guys like that. Where like to, to, to compare that to the Eagles. Like, who's their CB2 going to be? Is it, like, Zach McPherson? Is it Craig James? Is it Michael Jaquette? They're kind of, like, in a similar situation there. So, I mean, they have problems up and down on their defense. And in my opinion, like, until that gets legitimately fixed, again, they're not going anywhere. Let's say game is on the line. Game is hanging in the balance. And a team is playing an offense against the Cowboys. Like, who are you counting on to make a play? Even if it's not a critical situation, who are you counting on on the Cowboys defense to like make a big play? I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm shaking my. It'd be Lawrence. Like Demarcus Lawrence is like the the only like really like definitely good player on the. But even he's been like a major disappointment. Like he had that weird off season where he had a he had a shoulder injury and that required surgery, and he was just like. Not getting surgery until you do my contract. <laughs> and yeah. then they caved. They did his contract and then he got the shoulder surgery. Like that's a, that guy's going to be on their cap, you know, each year going forward for like over 25 million a year. So like he's, he's not living like he had, uh, he's average. I think he had 11 sacks over the past two years since he got that contract off the top of my head. I'm not sure if those numbers are totally accurate, but it was right around there. So like he's a guy that. Uh, has underperformed, but he like that's the answer. Like if if they're looking for someone to make a play in a key spot, it's this underachieving guy. Since he got this contract, that would have to do it. I think you said there's 50 players with more sacks than Demarcus. Yeah, Barnes at least in the past at two least years. a however number, however many number of sacks he had, which is either yeah. 11 or 11.5, I think. Uh, there are 50 players in the NFL that had at least that number, and then obviously there are a lot of guys that are like have like way mm-hmm. more, like you know, up, right. up to like 30 or so. Uh, yeah, so I look at it that way. I mean, maybe Mark, Mike Parsons will be really good. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's pretty talented, but there, sure. you know, there are question marks in terms of uh, like off the field or maturity or whatever. So we'll see how you know he translates to the NFL, and then obviously just the impact of a linebacker. Like, how much is even if he's, I mean, if he's really elite, sure. But if he's just kind of like good, well, I don't know. Does that really move the needle for that defense as a whole? And I look, I think their defense is going to be better this year simply for the fact it probably can't be as embarrassingly bad as it was last year. And while I think. Dan Quinn like might be overrated and that the Cowboys like going all in on him in terms of like their draft picks and trying to build like this Dan Quinn defense is kind of like a silly idea to me I think he's at least like a real NFL defensive coordinator whereas like Mike Nolan clearly was not like that's not like a that's like, it's not a viable option right, like right. that's like a joke of a pick like Dan Quinn is like okay he might be bad but like I can see what you're thinking at least like <laughs> yeah. there's some credibility to this idea um so maybe that helps and then it might not matter if their de- like their defense can suck, but if the offense is going to be like elite, elite, then it really might not matter that much as long as they can kind of play like timely defense, maybe get some turnovers here and there, and again, not just be a total like laughing stock in and out. Then like that's their formula. I love that they drafted a bunch of guys that specifically fit his defense. By the way, like okay, <laughs> yeah. let's hire this like bot like you know bottom half of the league defensive coordinator, and then use all you know, a bunch of our draft picks to to specifically fit his scheme. Mm-hmm. Smart strategy, guys. <laughs> Anything else on the Cowboys, Jimmy? Uh, yeah, I covered the secondary. Oh, I guess we should probably get to Mike McCarthy 
Um, because oh yeah, how do we forget? <laughs> they, they they hired him last year because they believed that they're ready to compete for a Super Bowl, and they thought that he would at least bring you know head coaching experience to the table. Uh, and again, that was probably just a, a matter of Jerry Jones overrating his own team, and you know now they're just kind of they just kind of have this you know, veteran head coach, but who isn't very compelling. And it's probably just going to be a matter of them spinning their wheels with him until the Mike McCarthy year is over until they find somebody else. It's my opinion. Like he's kind of the epitome of football head coach purgatory. I agree with you. I feel like when the Cowboys hired Mike McCarthy, I was totally fine with that. I was afraid they were going to get like Matt rule and I would be scared of that. Mm -hmm. Like someone to come up. Or even maybe a Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. Riley, yeah. But like they hired this guy who really kind of fits the Cowboys in a perfect way, and that he is more flash than substance. Like that is Mike <laughs> McCarthy. Um, you look at his resume; like it looks good on paper, but we all know he underachieved with the Packers, and he was a big reason for yeah. that. Um, the, the Packers are doing pretty decently without him now. Obviously, you know they haven't won a Super Bowl, but you know, thirteen wins in each of the past two seasons. Um, yeah, I, I just don't really see where Mike McCarthy gives the Cowboys a big edge. And now that doesn't like necessarily matter a ton because, you know, you have Kellen Moore there as your like your play caller. Mm -hmm. I think he's pretty good. So the offense is going to be good. But I think it kind of comes down to like the bigger picture things, like the kind of the CEO kind of head coach strengths. And to me, like I said with Rivera earlier, and why I have this argument with RJ who thinks McCarthy is the best head coach, best head coach in the division, and it's not Rivera. To me, I feel like the Cowboys didn't respond to adversity well last year. There were clearly like leaks early on in the season yeah. when they were really bad about like the Cowboys defense being a joke or whatever. Um, so you had players complaining. I think just you had um, didn't like Jerry. Jo I mean, obviously there's a Jerry Jones factor of it all. That's a different thing. But I, I just don't think like the way you look at it. That I, I think the Cowboys should have won the division last year, reasonably, yeah. in terms of mm -hmm. what they had. Like Andy Dalton was way better than anything that Washington was. Not that Andy Dalton's great, but I think he's way better or significantly better, especially given the pieces he has too. If you're counting all of that, you know, with we'll the like weapons their, he their had, their offense was their offense in general is still way better than anyone else in the division. Yeah, and for them not to win, I think was like a even with losing Dak, is still like underachieving. Like they could have reason. I think people kind of give them a pass just because they like lost Dak, and like the expectation was like, oh, if they win the NFC, that's just a bonus. No, they still should have won it. Uh, and I think it's you know it's an underachievement that they didn't. And I like how does Mike McCarthy inspire any confidence? Like what, what do you feel really good about? And I can't wait till Hard Knocks, Jimmy, because I feel like we're gonna get like <laughs> we didn't mention they're gonna be on Hard Knocks again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like they're gonna we're gonna get a couple of good Mike McCarthy clips where it's like that guy is just a boob. <laughs> yeah, and you, actually, you know, kudos for to the to the Cowboys for. I mean, they have to be volunteering to do this at this point, right? Because like it's the third time they've done it, and you know they were actually like probably the most compelling team to watch on uh, All or Nothing when they were on that. Like they were at least the most uh, willing to sh sort of show like. Um, you know, bad things like that. Or like the Eagles version was just so watered down. It was like they, they, yeah. they were definitely like uh, saying you can't put that in, can't put that in, can't put that in. Whereas the Cowboys were a little more open about their faults during that season. That they, of course, were, were on the year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl. So it was especially like interesting to watch it from from that lens. But uh, yeah, I kind of like them as a, as a subject on, on Hard Knocks because I'm A, familiar with them. And B, they're a little more open with, uh, with what they, I believe, allowed the NFL and who else uh to show but uh yeah you're right like we're gonna we're gonna see some warts uh on that team uh 
Like, like we saw in all or nothing, like there are plenty of things like to make fun of Jason Garrett from, from that series. Like mm-hmm. you had like a guy like sleeping, like turn toward his meeting. They showed it like it's crazy. Like, and, uh, so yeah, it'll, it'll be fun to like, if, like, if, let's say the Jaguars are on there. Are you watching mm-hmm. that? No. Like Cowboys are on there. No. Yeah. I'll, I'll watch it. I'll like, it's hard knocks has kind of like become something for me. Like, you know, I'll watch like the first episode. And then, like, I'm just, eh, I'm bored. I'm not going to watch this. And then, like, you know, after the season's over, if they're running, like, a marathon, I might just, uh, you know, have that on, like, while I'm laying on the sofa one day or something like that. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll actually watch it with, with the Cowboys being on there. And uh, you're right. Like, it, it'll be fun to see who shows their warts on that. And McCarthy is a very good candidate for that one. Yeah, and I actually, in a rare move by me, I do want to give the Cowboys credit too because they do a good job. I think Jerry Jones, I don't know if it's his call or whoever, but their their media, like their their stuff on their website, or even or the stuff that they produce, like the Cowboys, like they allow their people to be critical, oh, yes. right? Yeah, their yeah, writers, yeah. like uh-huh. they, they allow them to like rip the team, which is great, and uh, yeah, and and should be kind of the culture. Like it's okay to say they're not saying like the team, you know, they're being obviously they're being respectful and they're doing it within reason, but uh, I mean they're just trying to be fair, but uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, I have friends with the Eagles that that like you know have their content shut down sometimes. So like, uh-huh. so yeah, the the Cowboys are a lot more open with that kind of thing than than many other franchises. Uh, any final thoughts, Jimmy, on the Cowboys or otherwise? Uh, I mean, it's a terrible division still. <laughs> like, it's it's mm-hmm. it's probably still. Do you think it's still the worst division in the NFL? Like, let's uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, because yeah, I I guess like. You know, you could yeah. maybe look at like the AFC South, but I think yeah. the Titans are going to be uh, pretty good, um, and the Colts. You know, um, I'm a little more down on them than uh, than mm-hmm. others because I don't think their quarterback's good. But um, uh, but I don't think they'll be a tire fire. No, no, no. Yeah, they'll they'll still probably they'll still probably win more games than they lose. Uh, the AFC East is better. NFC North is obviously better. AFC West is better. NFC North maybe is a candidate if Rodgers is gone. Yeah, maybe. if Rodgers is gone. If Rodgers is gone. NFC South is definitely better, and the NFC West is obviously way better. So, yeah, it's either going to be the worst division in the NFL, or if, uh, you know, the MVP of the league switches teams, then another division, <laughs> you know, might be worse. But, yeah, it's it's going to be bad. And uh, I think the Eagles where, – where do you have the Eagles finishing in the division? I'm going to say uh, – did I do this? Hmm. I did do the record prediction and everything, but I forget where I put them. I want to say. Well, what's your? In fact, let's take it a step further. Give, give me your order. Give me your order of finish. I'm gonna say from. Let's go bottom up. I'm gonna say Eagles at the bottom. Okay. Giants ahead of them. Cowboys. Washington football team wins the division for the second year in a row. From bottom up, I'm gonna go Giants. Hmm. Eagles. Washington. Dallas. Wow. Okay. Jimmy, the big Cowboys fan, as he always is known <laughs> as. Right. <laughs> um, okay. How about them Cowboys? Yeah, so I don't know if that's necessarily a final thought, but uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun to cover. It was kind of fun to covering just the sheer awfulness of the division mm-hmm. last year. It was kind of fun making those. I don't know if uh, it'll be as fun in year two. Like maybe those jokes will get stale or whatever. But um, I don't know. I'm getting. I'm. I'm excited that. Uh, we we are now allowed to actually go places and do stuff, so I'm a, I'm uh, looking forward to getting onto an airplane without any fear 
and sort of exploring some new cities this off season or the, during the season rather. And uh, uh, it'll be good to get back to real football uh, with, you know, full capacity uh, stadiums and whatnot. And as you mentioned in the last podcast, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, I think that was actually during the final thought uh, portion again, but uh, yeah, it, it, like there's, there's no going to be getting away from, uh, you know, booze and, and no. you know, vocal in-game uh, negativity and feedback from the fan base. Much to Jenny Green's chagrin. Um, <laughs> uh, this has been BG and Radio. Before we leave, Jimmy, I, I guess we should set the stage moving forward. So Eagles training camp begins at the yes. end of this month. And with that, we will be ramping up our preview coverage, both here on Bleeding Green Nation, and obviously Philly Voice, and BGN Radio. So... Um, we will have some preview content coming to you here in the future. So obviously subscribe, rate, review, download, all that good stuff. So you're not missing any of it. And then once training camp actually begins, uh, and Jimmy hasn't agreed to this, but I am saying he is right now is daily pods. Once again, I really? yeah, do did daily we do that pods. last year? We did okay. daily pods for training camp practice. So we'll kind of tell you what we saw in addition to the notes that we'll write on our sites. So those will be fun. You can look forward to that later this month. Um, in the meantime, you know, a lot of good stuff on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. You know, Rachelle has her above the desk that she does, her roundup each week. We have uh, Seamus doing some stuff for the feed, as always, from the Bleachers. Um, we have the NFC East mixtape with me and RJ. Maybe uh, I-, I wanted to get him involved in the dumpster fire thing, but I couldn't figure it out, so we didn't. But that's fine. Um, whatever. We'll figure something out. And yeah, I think that just about does it for what's on the podcast in terms of supporting this podcast, which you can do loyal listener. We really appreciate it. Not only because you're helping support us, but you're helping support yourselves. And we'd like to see you be happy. You go to right to sell.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off right to sell on craft jerky, the best beef jerky, the best meat snacks and other non-meat snacks too on their website available that you can get. So go check that out. Just give it a look. It doesn't cost anything to go to the website and see what they have. And then if you like it, give it a try. You can also go to wildnaturepet.com and get 15% off dog snacks, dog treats, whatever you want to call them by using the same discount code BGN15. So wildnaturepet.com for that one. And yeah, this has been BGN Radio. And sell your house already, you cowards, and call Kristen. Sell your house. Come on. (laughs) Go to Kristen Roach to Roach Realtors to sell your house or buy a house or rent or whatever. Multiple options for you. So go do all that. And follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gowden. Follow Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. We keep it simple. Follow BGN Radio on Twitter, BGN underscore radio. We will be back sometime next week. And until then, goodbye, everybody. P-G-N!